Hey guys, it's Abdul for the good folks over at Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware in downtown Indianapolis. Get over to Leon Tailoring for that young person who graduated. Congratulations, by the way. And make sure they've got the clothes for that big job interview. Hey, the economy may be good, but you still got to dress for success. And Leon Tailoring, they can help your young person do that with a professional wardrobe and attire that they need. And so all those years of college and getting a degree do not go to waste. So Leon Tailoring, the perfect place to get your young professional off to that start in the world of work. Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware in downtown Indianapolis. Well, as the campaign gets underway for the U.S. Senate, we figured we sit and talk with James Simiak. James is the Libertarian candidate uh, for the U.S. Senate. So, James, my friend, thank you very much for being with us. Always good to chat with you. Definitely, definitely. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Not a problem. So how's the campaign going? Excellent. Uh, we've done 13 town halls across all of Indiana, and it's really great to hear from the public and what they want to see in their senator. Um, you can elaborate a little bit more. That's fine. Yeah, definitely. So the town halls are actually hosted by the Democrat Party, but they made it bipartisan. Uh, the Republicans said they're absurd and uh, publicity stunt, um, but I believe that hearing from the public is exactly what the job entails, and I believe that this is the way we do it. And it's great because they start the conversation, and I just answer to how I best will represent them in Washington. Uh, so uh, tell me a little bit more about these sort of these town hall meetings, because it seems odd uh, that uh, in a campaign where folks are running against each other, whether it's you know U.S. Senate, you know Secretary of State, whatever it is, uh, that you folks would actually be uh, sort of on the same stage together. Yeah, well, no, I believe that when we want to represent Hoosiers, we also have to realize that we have to work across the aisles, and working across the aisle is something that uh, is not unknown to politics, but in recent times, uh, we've been so divided that we've been refusing to do this. So I wanted to reach across the aisle and say, look, there's many uh, principles that I agree with the Democrats on. There's many principles I agree with the Republicans on. We can work together in Washington, D.C. to better represent Hoosiers. Uh, what kind of questions have you guys been getting for, at these town hall meetings? What are people What are people asking? What are they concerned about? Uh, Roe versus Wade, inflation, um, our two major issues, gun issues come up at almost every town hall. Those are probably the three big issues that are being mostly asked at, at each town hall. Well, let's start uh, with the big one. A decision uh, just made out last Friday, Roe versus Wade, the Supreme Court basically saying that there is no federal constitutional right to an abortion. So they turned things back over to the states. A number of states have uh, had sort of these trigger laws which have outlawed abortion. Uh, other states like Indiana, lawmakers have to get together and figure out what they're going to do. Uh, where is your position on the abortion issue, my friend? Yeah, with Dobbs, I'm d definitely a pro-life candidate, but I believe that's done through social change, and I don't believe in banning. Uh, I don't think that government ruling with an iron fist is how we change hearts and how we reduce abortion. I believe the way we reduce abortion is by supporting uh, young women and by giving economic opportunity with additional support for adoption and foster care, and I believe that's ultimately how we change our culture with abortion, and it's not ruling with an iron fist, and it's not banning or making it illegal and becoming very invasive for women, especially for those who have miscarriages. How do you determine who's innocent or guilty in this? And it's something that lawmakers really have not addressed. I want to come at this with solutions and something that will really change the climate. Um, and I don't want to manipulate votes with simply saying easy phrases like, I'm pro-life and leave it at that, or I'm pro-choice and leave it at that. I want to come with actual solutions. When it comes to uh, Roe versus Wade, four times, the, um, there's been super majorities on both sides. So the Democrats have held super majorities four times. The Republicans have held 
supermajority four times. Both keep running on this issue, but the Democrats refuse to secure women's rights on the federal level, and the pro-life side, the Republican side, refuse to do anything about that issue as well. So I believe that they have used it just to manipulate votes, and I want to come at this with real solutions for women. Um, also, I thought it was interesting, too, because one of the things that you said, we didn't want to uh, sort of criminalize abortion. So that means no jail time for doctors or anyone who assists or for the woman herself? Correct. Uh, I believe that politicians should not act as physicians. And physicians need to be comfortable in their role, and that's treating uh, women medically to the best of their ability. Uh, doctors take an oath when they become a doctor, and that's to support life. And that may mean abortion at some points when uh, it's medically needed. So I don't want to interfere with doctors' decisions. Our guest on the program today is Libertarian candidate for the U.S. Senate, James Siniak. Uh James, like I said, is a candidate for the U.S. Senate. Uh, making doing some town halls with some of his fellow Democrats. Uh, James, you also talked about inflation. Uh, what are people saying? What is your, what is your response? Well, we're at 8%. Who does know this? It's hurting their wallets, and they want solutions. And the problem is is that both sides keep pointing to false um, narratives. And these narratives are, well, it's just a supply chain issue. Uh, if that's the case, there's ways to fix it. There's uh, repealing the Jones Act, for example. In addition to that, they blame it on just Biden. But if you look at Todd Young's spending in the last six years, he's spending more than Bernie Sanders. And it's absolutely wasteful. And I believe that how we do this is cut the waste in Washington, look at deficit spending, and be accountable with our money, uh, and quit kicking the can down the road. We have to come up with solutions now so that future generations aren't hurting and that they have the same economic opportunity that past generations had. I know one thing a lot of folks say that to get our budget and finance situation under control, we need to, quote, unquote, cut fraud, waste, and abuse. What exactly is that, and where do you find it? So, I mean, fraud, waste, and abuse is all over Washington, D.C., but the first and foremost is just the Fed. Uh, they're printing money at a far too fast rate, and that is a direct cause to inflation. But then when we look at any agency within Washington, uh, I really like Rand Paul's penny plan, and it's just saying, hey, look, I'm going to let each agency reduce their own waste. They know where to cut that. But with lobbyists, everybody goes to who helps who, and they don't look for the cheapest options. And that's where we really need accountability. We need to look at how the free market can actually help reduce the cost in Washington, D.C., ultimately saving taxpayers a lot of money. Uh, on that whole lobbying thing, you said look for the cheapest op- cheapest uh, sort of solution. Uh, but would you, would you admit, though, that sometimes cheapest isn't necessarily the best? Correct, but it often uh, – comes down to results, right? So I look at a simple thing like paper. Um, If I'm a lobbyist, I'm going to lobby to my friend in Washington, and I'm going to up that price on that paper. But ultimately, we got to look at that spending habit. We got to look at the same quality of paper for cheaper, and it can be done. Um, It's not something that's crazy or out there, but it's something that is real. And we can't cut costs without uh, reducing efficiency. Uh, James, I know one of the big things we also talk about our spending is sort of discretionary versus indiscretionary, because a good chunk of our budget is Social Security, Medicaid, Medicare, uh, interest on the debt. Uh, what, where, do you, where do you go to, to, to get the spending under control? See, now a lot of it is already sort of entitlements, is already sort of earmarked. Correct. Um, I mean, most of it just discretionary spending and how we look at uh, the <laughs> The new spending, uh, for example, $40 billion to Ukraine, uh, how, why and how, and when America's hurting right now, how is that being used? And so it's really just showing accountability exactly where that tax money goes to and then saying, look, 
to the taxpayers. Is this how you want your money spent? And that's ultimately who I'm accountable to. If they want to spend that money overseas in that way, uh, perhaps that's the best way. But I see that most Hoosiers think that was a waste, and they really want accountability. James Siniak is our guest this morning. Uh, he is the head of the Libertarian, not the head of the Libertarian Party. That's Evan, 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 that's Evan, my other friend, Evan. Uh, James is the Libertarian candidate for the U.S. Senate. There we go. I can eventually speak today. Uh, just get over, get over, still get over jet lag from my Alaska trip, old friend. Uh, tell us a little bit about your background. What makes you, what in your background makes you uniquely qualified for this job that, say, maybe Tom McDermott or Todd Young don't have? Yeah, so I'm a behavior therapist, and with that comes a passion for people and serving. And I really believe that uh, any public service office that we hold should be a public servant's office and bring back the humanity to politics. When I look at our politicians in the past years, they, A, haven't been accountable. Uh, they aren't choosing to serve the people. And ultimately, they don't have a heart for those who they're serving. And really, that's what I want to bring. Uh, as a behavior therapist, I work all the time with a population that's autistic, and I understand that incremental change that has to happen on that level. And I believe that's something we can take to politics. We can use the incremental change to really bring uh, positive change to Washington, D.C., and bring a heart back to Washington. Uh, speaking of uh, 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 education and, and teaching autistic children, uh, what are your thoughts on teachers, more money for education, uh, the teacher shortage for that matter? Right. So on the federal level, which is what I would be uh, dealing with, it's about 8% to 10% of your school's budget. And the problem is, is when Washington, D.C. uses that budget, uh, they often comes with stipulations. And I've heard over and over that the schools with those stipulations often barely take anything in. Ultimately, how we better serve teachers is bringing that money back to the local level. Uh, federally, we waste it, and it's just going through a bunch of red tape. But if we reduce the taxes on the federal level and direct it towards the schools on the local level, we can actually get teachers better pay without raising taxes at all. And it's a simple libertarian solution where we bring your tax money and accountability back to the local level where it belongs. Uh, speaking of libertarian solutions, uh, obviously energy is a big deal. Also, one of the big driving reasons for our inflationary costs. Uh, what does the James Simniak do to get gas prices down? Or, or can we do anything? We just have to let the free market work, sort of work itself out. Well, no, the first thing is, is look at the taxes on it. And one thing I like to point out, and it's not been mentioned, it's, it's being mentioned a little bit more, but your sales tax is actually being taxed on top of the gas tax. So your taxes are being taxed, which just does not make logical sense. So first off, let's reduce the taxes on the gas. Um, and then ultimately, you know, if that's a gas tax for the roads, let's use it for the roads instead of using it for any budget and bring that back. But I think it's a waste of tax dollars, and I think that we could reduce that tax greatly, and that would bring about 70 cents in Indiana back to you on every single gallon. And that's where we can make a bit, big difference. Our guest this morning is James Simniak. James Simniak is a Libertarian candidate for the U.S. Senate. Uh, James, obviously Libertarians have run uh, before. Uh, what makes you think this run for Libertarians would be different than uh, previous adventures? People are ready for a change. They're seeing the lies and the deception in Washington. They're seeing the manipulation, and they're seeing the stale policies. And this is something that we need as a fresh approach. Uh, ultimately, I think people are ready for another solution. They're ready for truth in their politics. And even when I released my statement on the Dobbs case, people are like, I don't necessarily agree with you, but I agree that you're not manipulating voters with this issue. And there's there's a change that's happening. I believe that there's a huge shift in politics, and people are ready for third-party candidates and viable candidates that are ready to take their seat in Washington. 
Um, one of the big criticisms I hear whenever there's a libertarian on the ballot uh, is that libertarians, they say they take votes away from, you know, XYZ party or, or ABC party. Uh, do you agree with that sentiment? Absolutely not. Uh, a vote is your vote and it represents who you are. Uh, nobody deserves your vote. The only person that deserves your vote is the one that you think best represents them. The only thing that takes away a vote from a party is when a voter is dissatisfied with their party. And so, therefore, you know, it's up to the voters and it's up to the people. And they need to get out of that two-party system that really doesn't represent them. Uh, on the issue of that two-party system, uh, once again, though, some would say that, hey, if, if James Simniak is on the ballot, he's going to take votes away you know, from Todd Young. That'll make it easier for Tom McDermott to, to get elected. So libertarians, they, they, they accuse you guys of being spoilers. Absolutely not. Uh, a vote for a Democrat is a vote for a Democrat. A vote for a Republican is a vote for a Republican. And a vote for a Libertarian is a vote for a Libertarian. And ultimately, when we look at stats of voters right now, 60% of registered voters aren't even voting. So clearly we need more choices on the ballot because they – they have stated by not voting that there's not a choice on the ballot that they think is, is going to represent them. So this is a false narrative. Uh, voters are tired of it. They want to see more options on their ballot. And that's what I'm giving Hoosiers. I'm giving them another choice, another option that best meets their needs. James Siniak, uh with us on the program today. James is a libertarian candidate for the U.S. Senate with us for a few more minutes on the program today. Uh, James, you can't have this conversation without talking about marijuana. You knew it was coming because it's Abdul. So <laughs> let's just be honest with each other. Uh, what are your thoughts on legalization, and do you think it can actually happen at the federal level? Yeah, so the Moore Act is something that's currently in the uh, process, and uh, Congress did pass it. The Senate promised to look at it. I'm not so optimistic that they actually will take a real look at it. But I definitely want cannabis to be legalized on the federal level. It'll help in so many ways, especially our criminal justice uh, reform, and that part of it is a very important part. Also bringing accountability and money back to Hoosiers. We don't need to jail people for cannabis. Uh, it's a... It's not a harmful substance like some make it out to be. And so ultimately, we're just wasting tax dollars on criminalizing it. So absolutely, we need to reform this, and we need to change on the cannabis issue. Uh, what are your thoughts on the fact that uh, a number of states have legalized, I want to say like 34 or 35, uh, even though it's still illegal at the federal level? Right. So actually, more Americans right now can get cannabis legal even not. And so uh, the federal level is just being slow on this issue. And there's a lot of reasons. Uh, and we can go in depth into some of those. But the main thing is, is that they want to overstep and they are trying to figure out how to regulate banks. And right now they're actually uh, using it to just literally steal money from the cannabis industry. And so we have to really look at that accountability part and what the federal government is gaining. They're not legalizing it. And I think that ultimately when that corruption is shown, we can make a change. Uh, one of the big things that has popped up is the fact that to say that uh, even though uh, some folks talk about legalizing marijuana, uh, with with the current things that are out there right now between alcohol, you know, regular, and sometimes prescription drugs, it just makes life more dangerous uh, for law enforcement and for motorists and for travelers if someone's going to get behind the wheel and they're high. So uh, I've heard both arguments. Uh, as far as law enforcement, I don't really see it being an issue for law enforcement. I actually think it makes it slightly safer for law enforcement because they're no longer having to go uh, invade in somebody's home for simple marijuana. Um, but on the the driving, I think it's you know similar to alcohol. We have to be responsible with consumption, and there's ways we can do that. Uh, but ultimately, with freedom comes responsibility, and we don't criminalize, criminalize cannabis. What we do is criminalize 
uh, dangerous driving. And that's where we need to make that change and show people that it's not okay to uh, whether it's alcohol or cannabis or just simply driving too tired, it's not okay to get behind the wheel of a vehicle and hurt somebody else. Uh, James, last question for you. I want to get your quick reaction to this. Uh, earlier, uh, I want to say it was Todd Young who basically uh, – whoops, give me one second here. Sorry, I lost my train of thought for just a quick second. All right. Uh, coming in three, two, one. James Sidiak with us for a couple more minutes on the program today. Uh, James, any uh, issue out there that, that folks may not necessarily be aware of or something we might have missed in our in our brief conversation that you want the audience to know about you or your positions on issues? Yeah, one issue that I don't think is being talked enough right now, and it kind of got overshadowed by uh, the Dobbs case, but is our Miranda rights. The Supreme Court took away uh, an, a very important part of the Miranda rights, and that's keeping officers accountable. Miranda rights are there to protect you, the people. And right now we're seeing government overreach, especially on the Supreme Court, saying, hey, we cannot hold our elected officials nor those who are serving us uh, accountable for Miranda rights. And this is going to have great implications in the future. And it's something that I'm going to be bringing up over and over and over because I want to protect the rights of my citizens, of Hoosiers, and of my constituents. And I think that, that it's important that we bring these issues to light. All right. Well, our guest on the program today has been James Siniak. James is the Libertarian candidate uh, for the U.S. Senate. See, I do. See, eventually, I'll get my jet lag all squared away, my friend. I got your title. And what you're running for? I'll, I'll write it all figured out. Uh, okay. No. Now I know what my last last question was going to be. Here we go. Um, one of the big things about libertarians has always been is that uh, they're not sure if they want to be a social club or a political organization. Which Which of those categories do you fall in, my friend? I mean, it's absolutely political for me. I don't think we can run as a political organization if we're not going to uh, run serious candidates and candidates that can win and are viable. So that is first and foremost. But, w of course, with any politics, there is some advocacy that happens, and that's understandable. But we have to shy away from just being advoc advocates. We also have to run serious candidates. And I believe that I'm showing that we are doing that on the Senate level this year. And I believe that that is going to resonate with Hoosiers. Right. Well, James Siniak, uh, Libertarian candidate for the U.S. Senate. James, my friend, thank you very much for being with us. Looking forward to talking to you again real soon. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. This podcast was produced and edited by Chris Spangle and Leaders and Legends, LLC. If you're interested in starting a podcast or taking yours to the next level, please contact us at leadersandlegends.net.